What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome back to a late Chase's sick under the weather edition, but still does it for the people edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, and I'm joined as I am every single Monday night. It's my good friend Evan Swords. Evan, good evening, sir. How are you? I am doing well. How are you? Well, uh, before we started recording, went through the whole process, the hypochondriac process that I'm dealing with in the last 12 hours. It's it's a lot. It's a lot to put up with. It, the, 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 the life partner is a saint for what she puts up with my my daily routine here. Um, I'm very Larry David-y, I found, in my age. And I think turning 30, I don't know. Nothing is crazy anymore once you turn 30. You're like, oh, I'm not young enough for this to be crazy. So that's now in the back of my mind. Is that in the back of your mind at all? No, I'm I'm incredibly healthy and I'm <laughs> never worried about that at all. What is your diet? What do you what do you eat every day? Uh, you know, I try and just you know, no sh- I don't like no sodas, no 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 fast food. Um, you know, I try and not not a lot of sugar. If I drink coffee, it's like cold brew. So what is your breakfast? What's your lunch? What's your dinner like? What's your typical one? My breakfast is a protein shake. It's a half a cup of oats, two natural scoops of peanut butter, uh, four strawberries, a banana, and protein. And, you know, lunch is usually they're like chicken and rice, uh, ground turkey and rice, chipotle, which is just really that too. Um, Stuff like that. We're waiting for the main event, the dinner. What's the traditional dinner? Honestly, dude, I haven't, since I lived in this place, I haven't cooked, I don't think, maybe once or twice. I've just been ordering out because I'm but lazy. But you order out healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's why Ch- Chipotle is usually my go-to because you can just get, you know, rice, black beans, vegetables, protein, it's pretty straightforward. You don't want to go heavy on the cheese or sour cream. Little things. What's your go-to Chipotle order? Uh, burrito if I'm going heavy and want to add some carbs with that little uh, tortilla. Okay. And uh, bowl if I'm trying to trying to go light. Interesting. And uh, I usually do more hot sauce and like no no sour cream and cheese or just light sour cream and cheese. Huh. Okay. Okay. Um, how, like when you do the weekends that you did, we'll do the White Claw weekend wrap up right here. Um, not sponsored by White Claw, but one half of this podcast is, um, when you get back, like you did this evening and you had the kind of weekend that you had, Evan, you tweeted about this, right? How do you get back in gear? How do you, how do you get out of that weekend, uh, vibe that weekend lifestyle? How easy is it for you to transition back to your normal Monday through Friday routine? No, so today was Monday, right? And so I normally I'll like when I go on trips, I'll fly back on Sunday, but this time I, I flew back today. So 
Um, today I was, you know, I woke up and I was thinking I'd probably go to the gym because they have a gym where I was at my friend's house that I was staying at. Um, and I wasn't even hung over, but I was exhausted. I think my body was just physically exhausted from, from, uh, going, you know, going, going, going all, all weekend long. So I ended up actually, we got a massage today, which is mm. great. Very, very, very necessary. Um, and then, you know, like tomorrow, you know, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to uh, take pre-workout and <laughs> force myself to go to the gym. <laughs> I, uh, I need to get a massage. Like I just wrapped up school this past week, finished the four row this semester. Yeah. Congratulations. By the way. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. And I am done with school for four months almost. So trying to figure out how to feel. It's just that weight off my shoulders, but I've got some knots up here in my shoulder blades, Evan swords. And, uh, I don't know. I need to find somebody. That was something I had on my list, uh, during the summers to do something to like work out all of these knots. But as you can tell, just, I'm a worry person. I'm a worrier. I, I just not all day long. And it just, uh, all kinds of stress and anxiety. It probably is not healthy and it's probably not good to, uh, to do long-term would be my, my guess, Evan. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I know it's, it's, how can I say this, uh, <laughs> delicately, mm-hmm. uh, but stop worrying. You're fine. Mm. I know. Like, like, come on, what are we doing? You're like 30 years old. Relax. I know. I, it, dude, I, <laughs> funny story time. So this is what the people want before we get into NFL talk, Evan. Um, yeah. When I was, I think, 22, I um, was going to the bathroom a lot, doing number one a lot in college. I think I was a senior, and I begged my mom to get me to go to the uh, the doctor to get checked out. And uh, I was just convinced. Like, I had lived that entire semester, like, I'm a type 1 diabetic. Like, I had self-diagnosed. That I was like preparing for the insulin shots. I was preparing for the lifestyle changes. I'm not even kidding. Like that was like a semester of my life. I was just like, oh, I know what's going on here. I'm just ready for this life. I was like adding it to my identity before I even got diagnosed. And I just thought it was a surefire thing. I remember that car ride vividly just being like, all right, well, everything changes now. And uh, it wasn't type 1 diabetes. It was, though, a thyroid issue. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran. Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone's experienced the pain of dropped calls and internet outages, especially working remotely this last year. So here's the question. If you're the telco company, how do you help create better experiences for customers? Simple. ServiceNow Digital Workflows can help solve network problems faster and provide real-time status updates so customers aren't left in the dark. That's probably why ServiceNow Workflows have helped telco companies see an increase in customer satisfaction. But proactive customer communications only half the battle. With a single view of your back, middle, and front office operations, ServiceNow Workflows also eliminate silos, keeping teams more in sync and more productive. With our scalable services, companies assure a better experience for both customers and employees on a single platform, the Now platform. So how do you help provide a better network experience for customers? With ServiceNow for telecommunications to help streamline network operations. Whatever your business is facing, let's workflow it. ServiceNow. Was it like hypo or hyper? Hyper. Huh. 
Okay. He Still said there? my heart beated like a jackrabbit. I remember that distinctly. Like when they did the EKG, my natural heart rate's way too fast. And I don't know if you could tell, Evan, but I might. Um, <laughs> I cannot stress it enough. This is the least surprising thing I've heard all day. <laughs> you seem like someone that runs fast. Yes. Like that engine is, 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 is going at all times. Correct. It's tough to turn off. Sleeping is hard. Sleeping is hard. Um, I need to do, do you meditate at all? Um, I have the calm app actually. And I, I saw I, I have a very hard time sleeping. So I've been taking like, just like over the counter sleeping pills probably for like six, seven years. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I've also in, instilled, uh, I now use the calm app or pay for the subscription yearly subscriptions, like $70 a year or whatever. And they have like sleep stories, right? Where people with very soothing voices will t- tell stories and I'll like turn it down just so, like, just literally so I can't understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know what it is, but the act of someone casually talking in a soothing voice in the background helps me uh, uh, relax and go to bed. And I know that that is a kind of a form of meditation. Yeah. I can't sleep in silence. That stresses me out more. I'm not a silent sleeper. I need arrested development playing in the background or I'm not going to sleep. Like it's just not happening. Yeah. yeah I think it's pretty, pretty, com- pretty common. Yeah, it is. It is, but it is frustrating when you're, uh, when you're traveling or something like that and you can't get uh, what you need. So, um, it's, it's a weird request to be like, Hey, I need a way to put on this, uh, TV show that I've seen a billion times so I can actually get some sleep. <laughs> oh, wait, are you specifically, you need it to be literally arrested development? Correct. Okay. Well then, yeah, that's, that's a, well, okay. Well, we'll have to talk to your therapist about that. There's some, there's something there. <laughs> I think there's a lot there with a lot of this, Evan. Uh, yeah. but we don't have to, we don't have to search deep, uh, in those gators and, uh, it's not, not that type of podcast. No, no. You can listen to Sam Harris for that. Uh, waking up with Sam Harris. Um, Tim Tebow. I want to get your perspective on this. And I saw the reaction today um, about what I expected. It's interesting to see what kind of figure he is eight years removed from the NFL. Um, he signs a one-year deal uh, with Jacksonville to be a tight end, reuniting with Urban Meyer, the guy who coached him, believed in him, won a national title with him. They're very close. Um it's a tryout basically like they have nothing to lose, i guess um but seeing all the people that like i respect and like and seeing the diverse collection of thought was interesting but it does seem like he still draws a lot of ire from a lot of people and there was a i'm not going to name who it was but i very much disagree with this perspective which was um I wish I had something along the lines of, I wish I had the confidence Tim Tebow has to do what he does at 33. And my response to that internally was like, what, what is he supposed to do? What's wrong with like, just trying stuff out and trying to reinvent yourself um, while you're still in your athletic prime? Like he's doing different things. He tried baseball. He tr- it didn't work. He tried being a quarterback. Didn't work. He tried doing the analyst stuff, got bored clearly. Like he just wants to be an athlete and try different stuff. Like, I don't know. Like I, as someone who is doing different stuff in journalism, like I understand this idea of like, Hey, this didn't work. Let me pivot to this or let me try different things. But this idea that you should just like go away forever because it didn't work out or you're taking someone else's job because you came back. It's like, it's they could have just not signed him. Like I'm sure they could have just not done that. And if you're Tebow, like, 
what is the pro- I, I don't know. I, that was okay. my perspective. What's I, your perspective? Yeah, I, so, okay, but so what you have to understand is that Tim Tebow's situation is a vessel for a lot of different conversations with a lot of different, um, you know, things behind it, right? There's a lot of context that's not really like discussed outwardly. Um, the idea of white privilege is kind of the big thing, right? Like T- Tim Tebow's kind of like, you know, really failed himself in the NFL, not college, obviously it was a very successful college, but kind of failed himself into new situations. And I think the idea of, you know, this, this, you know, perfect smile, you know, perfect hair, you know, white guy who's not a good quarterback in the NFL goes to play baseball. doesn't really, you know, he's not a good baseball player, but got a job because he was popular. And now he's, you know, 33 years old trying to play a position he's never played for played at the highest level of football. Now there's so much that goes with that, that I think a lot of people can, can have issue with uh, in the grand scheme. There's also the Colin Kaepernick thing, right? One of the biggest arguments when people, um, you know, explain why that they thought Colin Kaepernick shouldn't be in the NFL is, Oh, well, it's a media circus. The teams don't want to deal with it. Right. And then here you go. You have a guy who's been out of the NFL for twice as long as Colin Kaepernick, who is going to be a massive media circus, and he's getting a tryout for a position he's never played. Colin can't even get a tryout for a position he was pretty damn good at. So I don't necessarily, I agree with you that it's like, it's not Tim's fault. Like, Tim's just trying to do what he wants to do. He's just trying to, you know, stay in sport, which obviously is something that he cares very much about. Like, you know, he could just be an analyst right now. And you, like you mentioned, it doesn't seem like that's what really drives him, right? He physically wants to be playing a sport. So I don't think there's anything wrong with Tim taking these opportunities, but I think it's uh, the system in which allows him to do these things is that is the issue, right? Like, well, I think this is unique because if Urban's not running the Jaguars, it, none of this happens. And I also think because he was willing to grind in the minors for the Mets and like be really bad for a long time and ultimately it didn't work out. But like, I think if there was an NFL minor league system, he would have done the minor league system for tight ends and just work from the ground up. That would be my perspective. Well, I mean, there is the CFL. I mean, it's I guess. a minor league system. I th- and, and I think to be honest with you, I'm less worried about the, the, Tim Tebow situation like today specifically is like hey I don't have a take I, I refuse to have a take on this Tim Tebow situation the thing that I really did have something that I really felt passionate about is how stupid the fucking Jaguars are like I you know we haven't seen it you know we have we got to kind of wait and see but I just can't imagine being as bad as the Jaguars have been for as long as they've been and having you know, a Super Bowl roster, but refusing to get rid of like Bortles. And then now getting the number one pick. And we've already talked about Trent Balky in, in detail and how terrible of a GM he is and how terrible of a GM he seems to already be again and drafting two players with ACL tears uh, in the first three rounds. And then on top of that, you've got Urban Meyer, who great college coach, but also seemingly kind of a piece of shit, right? You know, used uh, medical issues as excuses to get out of coaching. Well, yeah. Those are real. I will push back. Those are real. 
the brain well, me... is real, the issues at Ohio State that ended it, like the heart stuff, the stress. I'm t- well, I'm talking, it's all about more so, I'm talking more so about how he had those issues at Florida and then went and coached at Ohio State. Well, I think that was more like, I think two things can be true. And I think this goes back to T-Bone and Kaepernick too, which is that like, I am not a all or nothing person. I think two things are true there where I think Urban had health issues and could not handle being away from football and was just like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to keep having health issues and deal with this. I think. But do you, do you know why? Because you're a positive, good person and you have hope. The reality is, is that's fuck. No, just like I, it's, it's a sweet thought. And you're like, oh yeah, Urban just really, you know, he couldn't, couldn't. No, I don't think he Urban liked being away. I really of, don't. I think, I think he used that as as an excuse to get out of Florida, which is what he wanted to do. And then once again, he didn't want to leave Ohio State, but the situation that he had, right, with that coaching, you know, I mean, <laughs> we're all very aware of why he left Ohio State, right? Like to me, this is a guy that is running away from his problems and he's getting himself into situations. And here again, he gets hired as the head coach of the Jaguars, having not coached in a year and really never been successful outside of the you know, college. Um, and what does he do? He immediately tries to hire one of his buddies who's got, you know, who's got like, like recent history of saying racist things and being, you know, like being an aggressively shitty person and it was like one of the first things that he did and he ended up having to take it back and not hire this person it's uh, so so i wanting to bring it back i don't have an issue with tim tebow doing what he wants to do i don't think there's anything wrong there i think it's of uh, the bigger story is urban meyer is a damn fool for trying to bring tim tebow in at 33 years old to play tight end rather than giving the roster spot to someone that can use it and now you're right. We also it's don't know that. Tryout. Yeah, like, we really a, have no idea. Tebow might just be crazy at tight end. I have he's no idea. Thirty three years old. Yeah, he hasn't played football in eight years. I mean, that guy's in shape. I'm not really worried about the end shape. And he also, it's not like he's been thirty. He's not an NFL thirty three. Like he is a. I've been away from football and that kind of pounding for for eight years. Like the baseball grind is not. Uh, I would not say is parallel to uh, the football grind. I also just think that like. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, the, the Tebow thing doesn't, it just really doesn't bother me. I'm like, I have no idea. Like it, I, I don't know. I think it's another weird urban move, but like I would say, and I want to get your position on this is that like, I think paying Taysom with the saints paid Taysom is way more egregious than the Jaguars well, taking yeah. a flyer on Tim Tebow. Like that is I, way more is. egregious. And I think that should bother way more people than Tim Tebow signing a tryout contract in Jacksonville. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the Taysom Hill thing is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. When it comes to the NFL, it was just absolutely mind-boggling. And yeah, I 100% agree. Um, but that being said, yeah, Kaepernick got blackballed and it just moved on. Joel Anderson had a great uh, series of tweets of Slate, very good writer and podcaster, um, about all this. Like the NFL won definitively. Like they moved on. Like it's over. Like they they won. And then this oh, is yeah. it. Um, and that's all true, but I also just like, don't, I don't think it's fair to just toss all of that on Tebow. I, I just don't think the two are fair. I, I really don't. I don't think it's fair to those people, but, but it's not just tossing it all on T- Tim Tebow. His situation garners that type of discussion. Mm. It doesn't, it, you're, 
there, there's a difference between using Tim Tebow as an example and blaming Tim Tebow for it. It's it, it it gives context to a conversation that a lot of people aren't over with, right? Because you got to remember, yeah, the NFL won when it came to the Colin Kaepernick situation, but there was a lot of fans who said media circus. Yeah. That's why. It's not worth it. He's not even that good. He's not even that great of a quarterback. Tim Tebow is 33. He's a media circus. And Lord knows he's not – he's never played tight end before. So you can't tell me he's – you can't say he's bad. We don't know. But you sure can't say he's good. You haven't seen it. Right. So it's not Tim's fault. But this is the antithesis of, of the Colin Kaepernick situation. This is literally what you what people screamed – can't sign cap in the NFL anymore. It's too big of a media circus. So once again, it's not like anyone's going, this is your fault, Tebow, but it's, it's context, right? You go, okay. Yeah. Um, optimism for Rondale Moore and David Collins for your division rival, the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I watched a lot of Rondale in college and when he got drafted by the Cardinals, it's just your division has a lot of receivers like this that are going to be interesting. And like the Seahawks just love their speedy guys downfield for Russell to find when he's on the run. You have the Rams with their three headed monster. You have um, your team with Debo and Hurd and just de- and Brandon Ayuk and all your different guys and Kittle and how you're going to use that when Shanahan's offense. And then we haven't really seen that though because Andy Isabella has not popped in Arizona. Nope. And I think it's fair to say that's probably not happening. Um, the Andy Isabella experience. Larry Fitzgerald probably gone. And they suddenly had like kind of a weak wide receiver core for Kyler going into an important year for Kingsbury in year three. Um, I, I thought this quote from Kingsbury was interesting where he said, Rondale was able to do a bunch of different things, whether it's handling the ball from the backfield, toss him, toss him on a sweep, go outside or on a fade route. He does it all. And then the return game is really impressive as well. Who does that remind you of? I mean, Tyler Lockett, is that kind of where you're going? No, I think it's like a blend of Tyler Lockett and Debo. Like, I think he's yeah, built I'm... like a Debo. And I think the Cardinals might have their own Debo where if you watched him, this dude's a, a rock. If he was a, se- a couple inches taller, I forgot who made this point, And it's true when you watch him play. If he was just a couple inches taller, he's Julio Jones in the NFL. But because okay, he's not, well, he's not. Okay. That. Well, okay. Well, let's, let's first off, let's relax. Rondale Moore was special in college, sir. Do you know how tall Rondale Moore is? That's what I'm saying. He's a lot smaller than Julio. Size. He's five seven. That's what I'm saying. He's six one. He's going. He's going where everybody else is going. Brother, he's not. He's five seven. He's one of the shortest people in the NFL. That's what I'm saying. That's why he's not going to be the Julio Jones, Jalen Waddle types. He's just not. No. I know, but like, there's a huge disparity there. He's 181 pounds and five seven, so he's a thick boy. But yeah. you know, I think when it comes to the Cardinals, like, I, you know, Rondale Moore was an exciting receiver. Uh, a lot of draft analysts were very excited about him as a prospect coming out of the draft. Um, I still think they're going to have to figure out their offensive scheme, mm-hmm. you know, they can't just keep running the same three plays over and over again like they did last year. Um, but it's not the offense I worry about, right? Like I think that Kyler Murray's a special quarterback and he's going to be able to kind of, you know, in the similar light that Russell Wilson was able to, like he's going to make plays. 
He's a, he's a special athlete, and I think he'll figure it out. I'm really surprised Andy Isabella didn't uh, didn't work, um, but you know, who knows? What I'm more interested in when it comes to the Cardinals is how they took Isaiah Simmons last year with like what the top ten pick, it was like the number eight, right? Didn't know how to play him all year long. Never knew what position to put him in. Really had no plan from whatsoever. And then this year, again, 16 overall, they take a similar guy as Avon Collins. So I'm they not have a type. Hassan Riddick, him, Kibichi. Yeah. The like, if you do the Steve Keim uh, defensive Rolodex draft picks, it's it's not great. It's really really bad. All right, so that's my point. Like. I think their offense is going to do their thing just because I think Kyler's, you know, like I said, he is, he's a special athlete. Um, but it's that defense that like you think about all the people you just named in the NFC West. Right. And if the Cardinals continue to struggle drafting defensive players in a division that has Russell Wilson and now Trey Lance, right. And even Matt Stafford with a bunch of weapons and a very good, uh, offensive scheme. Um, that's that's what I'm more worried about. I think I think Rondale Moore. I don't know that I trust any receiver that's five seven in the NFL. I mean, like I don't know. I think we're gonna get more memes and like more like jokes about him and Kyler together than we will get like actual production. But we'll see. Okay, I hope not. Rondale's fun, man. Him, Lavishka, Chenault, my two dudes in college the last couple of years. Love watching those two guys. Um. PFF Forecast, a very good NFL podcast that you should tune into. Um, I was listening to them this morning, and they had the AFC North as the best division in the AFC. And I thought about this. They're very high, and they're um, beating the over for the Bengals. Very high on the Bengals going into this year. Um, Very low on the Steelers. I think the Steelers over-under right now is like 8.5, and and a lot of people are going under or just over, but a lot of questions in Pittsburgh. Uh, below average quarterback, offensive line that's in shambles, losing Bud Dupree, some questions on defense, uh, lack of running game, reaching on Najee Harris, all kinds of stuff. I was uh, going to ask then. So, do, when you saw them take Naj- Najee Harris, was that like a "what the hell are you doing" moment? For me, yes. Yeah, I just <laughs> like it, there's a strong possibility the undrafted Travion Hawkins from Louisville who's going to be on the Falcons this fall, um, has more production, like total yardage, than Najee Harris in Pittsburgh this year. Oh, Trey Sermon is absolutely going to have more production. But that's what I'm saying. And you he, can just find And he won't guys. even start. That's the weird thing about Kyle, though. Kyle just, like, he he Doesn't loves care. paying running backs who don't produce. That's his favorite hobby, is he loves paying running backs that don't ever do anything for the team. But then he gets all kinds of production from the guys he doesn't pay. Like Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, and the Matt Bradas come out, and the um, Raheem Moserts. Like, those are the ones who actually end up producing. It's very weird. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, I don't I don't know if it's just the Browns being the Browns, but I just I, – you know, they had a, a pretty decent season last year, and they obviously had that run towards the end, but I just don't – I'm still not, like, all the way there that the Browns are going to be, like, a you know, a powerhouse team by any means. Uh, the Ravens – I think I'm I'm higher on uh, Jackson than most, but it does kind of feel like as a 49ers fan, you see the Greg Roman 
situation unfolding again, right? Like people are starting to really like tune into like, oh, Lamar Jackson can't pass or, you know, like he's struggling on the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, it's Greg Roman all over again, right? Running the ball in a very boring, uh, predictable manner and, and, and stunting your quarterback's growth. I, so I'm, 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 I think the Ravens are going to be really competitive next year, but I'm very curious to see what the Greg Roman, Roman situation does. Uh, the Bengals are going to be bad next year. I don't care what anyone says. You, They're going to be bad. I'm really worried about Joe Burrow's knee. I mean, that's just not a fun situation. And, yeah, I, I think the Steelers, if they're really bringing back Ben, uh, I just don't know if they can win more than, like, eight games. So I, I absolutely don't think they're the best division. That's for damn sure. <laughs> Interesting. But when you think about it, who would you place above them? Because it's hard. I think the only division I place division? above them. Yeah, I think the AFC West is sitting there. If Rodgers becomes a Bronco, then I think there's no question. It's I'm absolutely taking the NFC West, period. 100%. No doubt about it. No, I'm, I'm saying taking the, in the AFC. If you have, It's only an AFC conversation. Okay, if you're saying AFC, yeah, I could see that. But I mean, I would still say the AFC West is definitely probably where you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Um. It's the definitely AFC not South the AFC might be South. interesting. I think it could be. I, I'm let me see, let, let's put it this way. Okay. The Jaguars, yeah, probably not. But I think the Colts, the Titans are going to be good. Mm. Like I, I think those are both teams that are going to be ten win teams. It'll unless we'll see. You know what goes on with the with the Colts and, and wins, but I think they have a really really good team around him. Uh, the Texans are going to have the number one overall pick next year. Is that correct? Uh, I mean, it's, it's early, but they're, they're a favorite. I would say yes. Um, did you see Peter King had the Eagles and the Panthers as co-favorites for Deshaun Watson next year? Yeah. I, I don't know if uh, Deshaun Watson ever plays football ever again. I don't either. I actually, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I have a friend who lives in Arizona. Um, and, uh, you know, once again, this is all, whatever but uh he he was at the barber shop and there were i'm not even going to say who but there were some nfl members uh players c- coaches all talk <laughs> and they're talking about it and it sounds to me um from what i'm hearing that a lot of the people in the nfl knew this about deshaun watson like it seems like it was less of a secret within the, the nfl than than others um and we were talking because my buddy used to play uh, football uh, for a pretty prominent school and uh, co- yeah, in college. And he was like, yeah, you know, the one thing that I thought was really interesting is like, like football players have each other's back all the time, no matter what. Like Aaron Hernandez, remember the Pouncey brothers had his back. He's a murderer. He's like, no one is defending Deshaun Watson right now. He's like, that's how you know it's bad. So I, mean, I don't if the, think if the report like that's the everything comes down to if every if the allegations are true he is a awful despicable person and yep. if they're not then like this is the craziest like money scheme of like get money from rich athlete of all time I I lean more towards the former would be my guess um. But we'll the see. rumor was that he that he stole uh, one of the massage chairs 
from the Texans facility. <laughs> like he would like, like that's like, think about that. Like he doesn't need to steal anything. He's Deshaun Watson, but that's like how bad it is. I forgot who I was reading who had, I think it was a USA Today article this morning about that, where his behavior to this psychologist, I think it was either a psychologist or a lawyer in the piece. I'm trying to remember, but it was essentially laying out that like it was an addiction where like it was a level of recklessness for no reason and an addiction where it's like, what are you like? Just it, it it's all bad. Um, but there is a piece outlining all of it and the steps and like the, the timeline and it's, it's all bad and it just, it just sucks. Um, it sucks. Um, especially for, um, the women that had to go through this. It's just awful. It's, yeah. uh, it's awful, shameful, and terrible. Um, I would say, though, on the Browns, I have talked myself into them being the number two team in the AFC next year. I think we're going to get a little bit of what the Bills were this past year with the Browns. I think we're going to get a big Baker year. Another full year in Stefanski's system. I think Stefanski's got a really good system. The offensive line's great. They get OBJ back. They have Landry. They have Austin Hooper. They have talent everywhere. You look at defense. They sign Clowney. You got Garrett. You got guys all over the place. You got Denzel Ward. You look up and down this roster, and I'm like, I don't know where Andrew Barry still needs to fill any needs. Like, this roster... If they were not Cleveland, if we did not have Cleveland Browns in front of this roster name, then I would. I think people would look at them very differently. If this was the Steelers roster, he would be like, oh, they're they're going to be absolutely the team that challenges the Chiefs. Now, this is the new thing that teams in the AFC are going to just have to run into every year. The Chiefs are just going to be the kings of the AFC for the foreseeable future. Like, they're just not going anywhere. It's going to be a pain to knock this, this franchise off. But it's like they are going to contend every year. That is a right. fact of life. They are going to contend and it's going to be hard. You go through them to get through the AFC. That doesn't mean yeah. you can't, but that's the reality. And I look at it and I'm like, man, I could I could see a Browns Chiefs AFC title game next year. I think that is in the cards. And I think we're due for a little bit of a bend back to the norm for Josh Allen. And I think that doesn't mean I think he's going to be bad, but I think progress is just it's not always linear and i think a full off season with stefanski is going to pay serious dividends for baker and i think getting obj back will help immensely they're running back tandem in the backfield to close games out like they are just they are loaded from top to bottom and i think the ravens have had an amazing off season getting villanueva was a sneaky great thing for them i, I love their draft i love their picks all over the place but I still think it's probably one right now for me, Browns, two Ravens, three. I'm going to say if the, no, I'll say three Steelers, four Bengals. But like if it's seven and nine Bengals and eight and eight Steelers, I would not be surprised. I think there's like a game or two between them. You think the Bengals have seven wins next year? Their offensive line's good. Um, I think getting Jonah Williams, like that's one of the weird things. And I think Joe Burrow was a lot better than people. Like I know you and your Justin Herbert, you, you love your guy, Justin Herbert. And I think they had a great draft and he's going to have a lot of fun with my guy, Josh Palmer. That being said, I think this Bengals team has a lot more talent than people are giving them credit for with Burrow mix and Jamar chase into the mix. Like they have guys. And I think, 
I, I'm just, I, I would not be surprised if they make more strides than people think next year. Yeah. I think every year you have uh, a little more faith in a team than I can personally understand. And I think that, <laughs> that, that might uh, be the case again uh, with the Bengals. Um, you know, I don't know, man, the, 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 the division is weird. Like, you know, obviously Jadavian Clowney's a, you know, big name, but he had zero sacks last year. Right. So I'm not so sure what I think about, uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to see that unfold. Um, I still don't, you know, I, I hope OBJ has a, you know, a triumphant return. You know, that's my boy, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on in that division that I don't know necessarily. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I honestly don't even know who I think wins that division between the, the Ravens and Browns. I think it'll be tight no matter what. Um, I just think like, I'm going to forget that Sammy Watkins is a Baltimore Raven all season. Like that's just, is going to, I, I'm not going to remember that off the top of my head. I've already scratched that in. That like, yeah, but it's such a, it's such a like a, it's like every time someone signs Sammy Watkins, it's like no, that's actually not that special or exciting. Like, sorry. Well, they're going to go with him, Hollywood Brown. Um, and who's the new guy they drafted? Well, they drafted two. Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota was their first. Bateman, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got Tyland Wallace, who was a freak oh, at so- OK State. So here's what I want to know. Mm. Is, is Bateman the next line of got receivers that were really exciting pre-draft that don't make it with the Ravens? The, the Berrymans, right? Hollywood mm. Brown, right? Like He's different. I, Rashad Bateman's boring. Like If you watch a lot of Minnesota, he's more Anquan Boldeny. I mean, I'm just saying like the Ravens have been doing this for a while now. They've been drafting receivers that really just – were way more exciting prior and, mm-hmm. and they're not, they're not as exciting now. And Hey, look, you know, they don't Derek really Mason was great for them for a long time. They, hey man, Torrey Smith had a good season there too. I'm yeah. just saying like lately it has not been the case. A lot of people will buy in the Colts. Eric Fisher signed with the Colts. Uh, there was a CBS Facebook post about, Oh, Carson went behind this offensive line with Nelson and him and, Look, I I don't know what's going to happen here. Frank Reich is a really good coach. He's gotten a lot out of nothing in Indy thus far. Carson Wentz, man, I, I have no idea. No idea um, what happens here. If you were to tell me Jacob Eason starts more games for the Colts this fall than Carson Wentz, I would not be surprised. Um, I'm sure the Eagles are hoping that is not the case because I think he has to start like 75% of their games to get that first round pick. Um, but like Fisher was not good last year and I still wonder, like, I don't know. I, I'm not all the way sold on Carson Wentz just bouncing back. I think to toss up, I just think what's going to benefit the Colts right now. When you look at the rest of this division and Falcons go, go get Malik Hooker. He's still out there. Malik Hooker. We can never stay healthy. I'm all about it. Um, and add more safety depth. I, I don't know. You just, I, they're such a weird team to forecast. Like, I am so low on Houston and I'm I, I just the Titans defense is going to be awful next year. Like 
awful, awful. And I think there's going to come a point where Derrick Henry is just not Derrick Henry. And I think their skill position guys are down. Uh, Tannehill, I think the dam will break at some point there too. Um, I'm not high on the Titans going in this year. But then you look at this division, you're like, who are you high on? And like, I have... I've got bad news, Evan. I talked myself into the Jags winning this division at like seven and ten. Like I think that's a distinct possibility because I don't I don't believe in this Colts team yet. Like I've gotta see what Carson Wentz looks like. He has the talent all around him. Jonathan Taylor could be the next big thing. Like he was amazing last year for Andy. Yeah. Um I don't know. What do you Carson think? Wentz's job will be very easy this year, which is why I think they could have a very good season. But I don't have like a whole lot of faith in Carson Wentz as far as like a, a team leader, you know, like forcing his team to win games. Uh, I don't think the Titans – I think the Titans are one of those teams that they're going to just continue to probably be good, right? We can definitely see nine to ten wins out of them. I don't see them really ever maybe getting out of the first round of the playoffs. Um I don't. I don't think they're going to be bad, though. I definitely don't think the Jaguars win this division with seven wins. There's absolutely zero shot. Um, I also don't think the Jaguars win seven games. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is one of the most exciting quarterbacks in a long time, and I know you know it's it's we kind of joke about it, but like think about how good Justin Herbert was last year, right? Like genuinely, like if you have a first round pick quarterback. You hope they have as good of a year as Justin Herbert did. How many wins did the Chargers have? What did they go? Six and ten last year? Like seven three? Nine? See? So yeah, but I don't my even point, know. You saw off top of my head. How many did they win? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't even remember now. Let's see. I didn't think it was six. That's they were third in AFC. Let me see. Now I want to do this. So they won seven games. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Yeah. So seven I think games. the Chargers had a right lot here. better roster. But I, but I think the Chargers had a much better roster last year. Jags are sneaky okay. That roster is not terrible. <sighs> You're not a Jags guy. And I'm not saying that what also hurt My the guy, they, they literally had the number one pick last year. It's not that I'm not a Jags guy. <laughs> they had they got Trevor Lawrence for a reason. Like, I mean, I, I'm I, a big I, DJ Chark guy. They got Marvin Jones. Like that one, Lavishka Chenault's my dude. Like their offensive line. I like Lavishka. I like I, I like Chenault, and I do like um, James Robinson's a good running back. He's good I like James him. Robinson too. Uh, but I just, dude, it's just the Urban Meyer thing. Mm. You know, I also don't know. Like, do you trust those linebackers? I mean, Miles Jack is still pretty good, but like, do you trust the linebackers playing together with corners? Like, I don't know. Well, it's going to be a weird division. It's going to be a very underwhelming division. That's the thing that I, I think it, it almost feels funny that we're spending this much time talking about this division because it's like it's going to be probably pretty underwhelming. I would agree. Um, the last thing I want to touch on. So Greg Rosenthal, great NFL.com writer, host, co-host of the Around the NFL podcast. Um, he does his best free agents available. Your guy, Trent Williams, was number one pre pre this process um, that you guys resigned, which was a very good move, I would say. Evan Swords. I would agree. Um, guys still out there. I want you to tell me where you would like them to go. Mitchell Swartz, Schwartz, excuse me. I have Swartz in the brain. Um, will be 32 when he plays football. If he does, he's dealt with a lot of back or he dealt with a lot of, yeah, back stuff. Um, last did year. He come, didn't he retire? Isn't he coming out of retirement? He has not officially. Okay. I mean, at this point, I think Schwartz just needs to go to a team that he can play. 
Yeah. I mean, we're this late into the season, right? Rookie camp starts soon. Like he's got to go where he can play. He might have to wait for an injury. There might have to be a camp injury or something like that. You know, I don't know that I know specifically who needs Mitchell Schwartz, but I just, you know, I think he's still available for a reason. I don't know why Justin Houston's not available or is available. Excuse me. Like that dude, he is the John Abraham of our generation, Evan. Like that dude is just going to be fine. Like maybe the Michael Bennett, like those types where it's just until it falls off, I'm not going to believe it's actually going to fall off. I don't know why teams are taking bigger swings on guys where I'm like the production's right there. Like just well, sign Justin. Houston. I mean, I mean, isn't it kind of the thing, right? Where he like, you know, he's, I mean, do you play him at, what position do you play him at? What scheme is going to be in? Who's available? You know, like I will say this, the edge position right now in the NFL is probably the best it's been in a very long time. There's a lot of talent at the edge position. Have you seen what Whether the girls are trotting out next year? I mean, Hey, listen, no, I like was positive. The- like AJ Espinenza, they drafted two edge guys in Rousseau and, uh, uh, Basham no. from Wake Forest, like they're loaded. They've just like no, six. They're carrying six. That's insane. The Niners too. The Niners the edge edge situation is really good, especially if D Ford still comes out uh, and even plays at least two or three games. So I don't know necessarily that Justin Houston is like washed. I don't think that's the case. He had twenty five tackles and eight sacks last year. I just think he's you know he's got to find the right the right team that needs him. You know I think the Forty Niners. Uh, are the the type of team um god i can't even think of it right now who is the who was the defensive end that the 49ers signed 2 years ago was kind of in this situation god i can't think about it anyways the niner who was in the situation a guy it was a defensive end that came in and played with the 49ers Hmm. It, it once again i don't it's but my point is is just that i think that justin houston is going to be one of those similar to mitchell schwartz actually you know there's going to be a, a, a team that'll sign him you know during camp maybe there's an injury or something like that but i mean yeah it's crazy though eight sacks and you're still a free agent that's kind of weird i'm gonna rattle off the rest of these names and you're gonna tell me whether or not by the, the way should by the way the, an- the answer is for justin houston is the cowboys that's where you should go mm, i don't hate that Tell me, do you want this guy in your team this fall? Yes or no? Melvin Ingram? Yes, absolutely. I would love that. KJ Wright? No, no, I don't think there's room for him. Richard Sherman? I Absolutely. You have two, you draft two corners in this draft. You want Richard Sherman on your team. He's, a, he's as good of a coach as he is. You know, I mean, he might not be as... I mean, even last year, towards the end of the year, he was kind of playing safety almost a couple, a couple, couple games. So, but I absolutely want him back. Austin Ryder. Don't care. <laughs> Duke Johnson. No. Bashad Breeland. Sherman first, Breeland second. Malik Hooker. Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm really surprised, and I mean, I understand the injuries, but like. A guy with Malik Hooker's talent, especially with the 49ers and their defensive line and their defensive ends, and kind of, you know, we ought, you know, me, I'm more pressed or, or pass rush over coverage. Um, I think Malik Hooker, if you, you were to let him at least share snaps with Tart and Ward, absolutely. Well, then I'll end on this. Everson Griffin. 
you know, the 49ers defensive end uh, room, if you will, is is pretty pretty crowded. But I'd still like to see Griffin on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Good depth guy. He's 33. Um, his age is there, though. Not the same dude anymore. But if he's a rotation guy, then it's uh, nice to have. Uh, some teams don't even have rotation guys on the edge. Um, Mr. Swartz, that's all I've got. Is there anything uh, you'd like to add as we wrap up this Monday night, early Tuesday morning edition of the pod? No, uh, I will say this. Someone ta- someone said today on Twitter that Trey Sermon is going to be the Alvin Kamara for the 49ers. And I, 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 I love that idea. And that was something I was really excited about. I'm really excited for the 49ers to have Trey Sermon as a very talented running back. And, Wait, and now the I have to pull up your running back room. I have to pull this up. What is it right so, it's, so it's Raheem Mostert. Um. Who's the guy from New, uh, New York, the Giants, that he just... Oh, Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman. Uh, they still have um, Jamichael Hasty, who's an uh, undrafted free agent, but I, I didn't Wilson? think he was very good. Jeff Wilson is is a, a little touchdown machine. Good goal linebacker. So. Oh, I know who my pick's going to be. It, it's going to uh, be Elijah Mitchell. That's the guy who breaks through this year. Yeah, that's pretty safe. It's going to be the opposite guy. It's just how Shanahan works. It's going to be the the wrong dude. It's never going to be the guy that... Uh, yeah, yeah, he's full-on Louisiana Raging Cajun. That's got all the makeup of all-star linebacker. But, uh, so that's kind of what everyone's saying, though, is that it's going to be... Trey Sermon is going to be uh, you know, the Jeff Wilson, and then Elijah Mitchell will be the new Raheem Mostert. Yes, I can see that. Elijah Mitchell's 23 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know that. It was born in 1998. It's actually kind of old for a guy getting out of college. Mm. Well, hey, hold on. I that's when I got like some some that play that plays football, right? You know, <laughs> some of us want to we want to ride it out a little bit. Um, Mr. Swartz, thank you as always. Uh, what should the people do when they listen to us talk for close to an hour on this very podcast? What should they do as we wrap up here? Um, well, you know, first and foremost. Go take a shower because I feel, I feel dirty listening to myself talk. So I would imagine you do too. Are you a two shower uh, day guy or a one? Ooh, it's I'm a one shower a day guy. Oh, interesting. I would not have guessed that. I just yeah yeah. I mean I I right after the gym in the morning. Okay. You know, but not at night. You don't do a you don't do a night shower. No, it seems kind of redundant. Mm. Shower and then lay in bed. I don't know. I, it, but like you don't feel dirty getting in bed. No, I mean not really. I, you know, I'm not doing much. Maybe if I was running around all day long, but I'm like sitting in a chair. You know, not a lot. Uh, not a lot really pushing the energy consumption. You know. I mean, there's not a right answer here, but I I don't know. I'm a two shower day guy. I mean, you also think you you're also a hypochondriac, so I can definitely well, see you feeling the need to to shower multiple times a day. I mean, for sure. I am very much a, a shower guy. I also just enjoy a good shower. Like, I I love being in the shower. Like, that is a stress reliever for me. And as someone who is just stressed to the gills at all times, 
Uh, not to not to not not to go on a tangent or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I will say uh, I've noticed the older I get, the more I just kind of I'll bring my phone into the shower and just kind of sit there. Right. I'm starting to wonder if there's something wrong with me, and you know, I'm like just kind of like just zoning out. No, it's it amazing. It's therapeutic. It's very therapeutic. I zone out. Like people were you you've joined my my tribe, Evan, because people were like, "How do you take twenty minute showers?" And I'm like, "Uh, I don't." think I'm in the shower for 20 minutes. That's how you do it. Like you just forget you're in there. Like you just completely zone out and you're like, oh man, I'm pruning up quite badly. Should probably get out of here. That's how you know you did the shower right is when you just forget all uh, concept of time. Yeah. I mean, it's a good thing to have. Yeah. It's a good thing to have. All right, Mr. Swords. Uh, I might get Chipotle tomorrow because of your uh, recommendation. I might. Uh, <laughs> I used to get it all the time. I, I'll tell you a funny story. Really quickly. Um, old roommate back in Atlanta he always got the same, like he ate the same thing every day, like exact same thing. Sounds and, like me. Well, no, 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 no. It wasn't like a healthy thing. Like he, he did not eat breakfast and then he ate Chipotle for lunch, Chipotle for dinner, the exact same Chipotle. Then he would have baby carrots for his dessert. And then he would have a bowl of cereal and that'd be it. Um, did it every day. He went to Chipotle twice a day. Never I've done that. Day. But, he did it so much that they catered uh, the house like for free for his birthday for how much money he spent at the uh, downtown Atlanta uh, Chipotle. That's awesome. Is that not incredible to go somewhere so much that they bring in some uh, some Chipotle catering? I mean, as a guy that's literally sponsored by White Claw, I, mm. I, I fully believe in brand partnerships. So, yeah, I love that. What's number one <laughs> after this weekend? Have, have the, your rankings changed? No. No, no, no. Okay. It's pineapple first. Pineapple's elite. <laughs> Evan Swords. It's been a pleasure. Thank you as always, my friend. We'll be back next week. All right. Good night, man. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.